If I read the accomplishments in the title of our next guest, it would be longer than the interview. But uh, coming to the Palace Theater Saturday, physicist Brian Cox. Go to Kappa.com for tickets. Brian, how are you? Hi, Brian. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. Just, uh, I'm very rock and roll this morning. We're on the tour bus. Oh, you're the way. Oh. So, yeah. So we're, we're, we're touring. It's not physics anymore. It's kind of stadium cosmology. I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Torg, Torg told me that you were in a band that had a number one hit. Is that correct? Tell us about that. I was. I was in two bands, actually. And the first band I was in grew out of um, Thin Lizzy. So the keyboard player from oh. Thin Lizzy formed the band. And uh, so that was a rock band called Dare. Dare. I can't, I, it's okay. a very silly name, actually, because if you've got an English accent, it sounds like you're saying, duh. Duh. <laughs> so duh. That's why we didn't do well in, in the States, I think, because it sounds like the band was called Duh. But it's Dare. <laughs> D-A-R-E. Right? Okay. Well, yeah. So we toured with a lot of bands, actually. The, um, the, my, the first tour we did was supporting Jimmy Page, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Quite, a, quite an introduction into the world of music. All right. Um, so, yeah. Brian, be honest with us now. You're the top of your field when it comes to science. I mean, you've uh, performed in front of 10,000 people. You got the Guinness Book of World Record for most, most people seeing, seeing you on a science tour. But if you had your pick... To be what you are now with science, or the same level as a rock star, yeah. What would you pick? Oh, you know, I, I, I think discussing the origin and evolution of the universe, the fate of humanity, what happens when you fall into a black hole, is more interesting than a guitar solo. And that may be sacrilegious, but I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Well, the name that's of why I, that's why I left the band. I left the band because I wanted to know how the universe began, and I, I didn't think music was the right medium. <laughs> <laughs> well, the world tour is called the Horizons. It's stopping here in Columbus on Saturday night at the Palace Theater. So, what is your take? We have to ask you on Richard Branson, Bezos, and Elon selling these commercial flights to the edge of space. Well, I mean, there's a, the actual answer is that um, we, we've already um, industrialized space. So we all, you know, we, we're talking now on the phone. It might be going through a satellite, um, right. GPS, satellite navigation, all the weather forecasting, all the things we know about climate, all those things are coming from space. So that the easier it is for us to get to space, I think the better it is. I mean, you can argue about the fact that at the moment, you know, billionaires flying to space, is that a good use of money but what they're really trying to do is open up space um cheaply and safely and that's a that's a good idea i mean there's a lot more uh, resources and real estate and possibilities up there than there is if we can find ourselves to the surface of the planet yeah good point so in your opinion is it a priority when you prioritize you know things in space is it a priority that we get to mars we have a colony on the moon i mean is that is that important uh, you know, the most interesting thing about Mars at the moment, which I talk about in the show, is the question of the potential of life. So at the moment, we only know of one place in the universe where life exists, which is here. And as we speak, there's a rover called Perseverance right. on the surface of Mars that's on an old river delta that's drilling down to collect samples in the old ancient river delta on Mars. And then, I, you know, the way that they're going to bring that back is ridiculous. So I'll give the one-minute summary is that the rover's collecting samples now. Then they're going to send another mission to the surface of Mars, which is going to land. And the small little rover is going to go and get the little samples from the big rover, load it into a rocket. The rocket is going to be catapulted off the ground 
with technology that's basically like car airbags. They're going to light the rocket when it's in the Martian, just floating off the ground, send it into orbit. It's a thing about as big as a baseball. They're going to leave that in orbit. Then another mission's going to go look for it optically, find it, ingest it into a big spacecraft. Another little robot's going to get the samples and put them into another rocket, which is going to be lit and fired back to Earth, and it's going to enter the atmosphere ballistically with no (laughs) parachutes or rockets and hit Utah. And then presumably in a bit that's not inhabited. And then, uh, so in, in, the, in the sort of deserts of Utah, and then they're going to go and get their samples and look the light. Wow. So yeah. It's called Mars Sample Return, and it's very cool. And then I saw the photos of the rover that were pretty cool and impressive, but there was a, there, is there a drone or a helicopter also on Mars? Yeah, yeah they've, got, they've got a little drone, and it was only supposed to last a few flights, but it's still working. And uh, they're using it now to scout out the, yeah. uh, the path for the rover. It's, it's an incredible thing. It's a tiny little drone. Um, and it's, it's working beautifully. It's just basically a load of mobile phones strapped together. It's not, you know, they didn't expect it to last very long, but it's working. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you, Brian, if, if I learn about a car, I can do my research, find everything about the history of car, and then explain everything about cars. But when it comes to the universe, where are we at in the knowledge of the universe? Is this just, we've just begun? Oh, the, yeah. The, one of the things I talk about in the show is the latest research into black holes. So black holes, are, you know, everybody knows about black holes. But, but actually, um, they've, they've, we've begun to suspect that space and time themselves so, you know, space and time, they seem like fundamental things. But we've begun to suspect that they are made of smaller pieces. So space and time emerge from something else. And I can say what the, the I go into much more detail, but the word is, is quantum entanglement. So we begin to suspect that they're actually in sort of the deepest description of reality. There is no space and time, which is just, you know, a mind blowing idea. And that came from work that Stephen Hawking started in the 1970s. And um, it's a beautiful illustration of something that Einstein said. Einstein said that if we look at nature carefully, and it can be anything from a, from a collapsed star to a blade of grass, and we really pay attention, then we can sometimes catch a glimpse of something deeply hidden, which was Einstein's phrase, something deeply hidden, which is the underlying structure of our reality. And that seems to be the message from studying black holes. We, and, and that, by the way, is necessary. If we want to know how the universe began, so what, or even if the universe had a beginning in time, we need to know what space and time actually are. And that, that it's remarkable, I think, that that's beginning to come from just studying these collapsed objects, these black holes in the sky. Do you believe in alternative universes? Well, there are lots of different versions of that theory. And, and again, one that I touch on in, in the show is called the inflationary multiverse. And believe it or not, we have a theory of, of what was happening before the Big Bang. So before that thing that we used to think of as the beginning of time, we think the universe was still there. And those theories can lead to a, a picture that our whole reality is called the multiverse is actually filled with perhaps an infinite number of bubble universes of which ours is one. Now that seems like science fiction, but actually it came from some just very simple 
theories about the, the origin of the universe and trying to understand actually how galaxies are distributed in our universe. So there are some you know, mind-blowing ideas now. But what we're groping towards, we, we're really trying to understand the origin of the universe itself. Um, and, and it's interesting that this, you, know, you can get to that from two perspectives. You can think about the Big Bang and look back in time with our telescopes, or you can think about black holes. But they're both pointing towards the same thing. Can the theory of religion and or God coexist with the science of the Big Bang theory and, and even before that? You know, I get asked that a lot. And um, I, I, was asked, I once actually was asked to give a talk at a, a meeting of bishops, and they wanted to know about cosmology. So, so I went along and I chatted them. Because science is just it's what we know about the universe. So I would say the framework within which we have to discuss these issues is you raise. So, you know, we know that there are something like two trillion galaxies in the part of the universe we can see. We know that it was 13.8 billion years back to the Big Bang because we've measured it. But I said to them, you know, imagine that there are theories now that say that the universe has existed forever. You know, it's possible. Although there was a Big Bang, it, that could have been something that happened in a pre-existing universe. So I said to them, you know, what, what, like, I'm interested. I'm not a theologian. So how, what place for a creator in such a universe? Um, and we had a really interesting discussion about it. So, so I think really the, the thing is that cosmology and astronomy raise profound questions about the size and scale of the universe. I say in the show at the start, you know, one of those questions is what does it mean to live a, a finite fragile life in an infinite eternal universe what does it mean that's one of the central questions that we all ask and i think science doesn't give you the answer to that it doesn't tell you about what it all means and um, you, you have music helps right the, the music art philosophy literature theology all of those things you have to deploy them all to understand what our observations mean so that's the way i'd answer your question these are all I think that the key thing for everyone who's listening, and no matter what their faith or whatever they think, is the key thing is to be interested in trying to explore those questions. And science will, give, will help you because it tells you some of the things that we've learned. Um, but ultimately, the, the, quest, the, the question of what it all means is down to each of us. Brian Cox is with him. See him Saturday, Palace Theater. Kappa.com is the website to get tickets. Hey, are you a uh, time, tra- uh, do you believe in time travel? Well, it's um, uh, into the future, yeah. I mean, it, it's a basic of Einstein's theory is that you can go into the future at different rates. We all go into the future at different rates. So that's not what you mean. What you mean is into the past, isn't it? You want to go back and... Yeah, like back to the future. I get in the DeLorean and I hit... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um, so we're all, it's not forbidden completely in Einstein's theory. Actually, so, so in the show, I talk about wormholes. So wormholes, the, you know, the science fiction thing, shortcuts in space and time, those things are allowed in the theory, and they're becoming fashionable again in trying to understand how, um, if you fall, if I threw you into a black hole, and not just you, not, not a personal kind of thing, <laughs> but if, if, if we fell into a black hole, okay. one, of the questions, one of the questions is, does everything that we are come out again the information we contain does it come out again in the far future and the answer seems to be yes and in doing so it looks like wormholes of some description open up 
between the interior of the black hole and the far reaches of the universe. And those things, in principle, allow time travel. So, um, so I think the, the jury is still out. I mean, we don't think, you know, I, most, Stephen Hawking wrote a great paper years ago called The Chronology Protection Conjecture which is a big mouthful, but he was, the conjecture is the main thing. So he was guessing that whatever the deep structure of the universe, it wouldn't allow us to get in a DeLorean and go back and affect the past. Um, so, but however, we, we, the structure of the universe seems to potentially allow those things in some way, and people don't really understand it. So yeah. I'd, say, I'd say no, if, I'd say basically no, I don't think we're going to be able to build a time machine and go back into the past and, and affect things. But that's not to say that the universe is not a bit stranger than we'd otherwise imagine. Now, I see, uh, Brian, that you are uh, 54 years old. Do you think in your lifetime there'll be contact with some other type of uh, intelligence beings? Um, again, I mean, I, I also discussed this. And if you're, actually, I'm just going to say it. It feels like we're getting closer. Once you've listened to this, we, you don't need to come to the show. So I'd say. Okay. Well, All right. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, and I argue in the show, I think civilizations are probably really rare. So I think there might be microbes all over the place. So I think we might find life on Mars, but it'll be little microbes. If right. Um, but I think all we can say is that we've looked a bit out there into the universe, and we've seen no sign of anyone. And uh, astronomers call that the great silence. And uh, there could be reasons for that. Biology could be a reason. So if you think about life on Earth, we, we have good evidence it was around 3.8 billion years ago, nearly 4 billion years ago. And it took 4 billion years from the origin of life to anything that can have a conversation. Um, and yeah. 4 billion years is a third of the age of the universe. Yeah. And if you, if you want an unbroken chain of life on a planet that can last for, you know, that, that 4 billion years or more before you get a civilization, I think that that, that might be a really un unlikely occurrence which makes us tremendously valuable. I mean, if you take that view, I make the argument, it's possible there's only us in our galaxy. Like, there are a lot of galaxies, right? But in the Milky Way galaxy, it could be that we are it. And I think that's worth, it's a good working assumption, actually, because it might make us pay a bit more attention to our position in the universe and our future. Hey, Brian, tell us about, you know, Saturday night, Kappa.com is the, how you get tickets at Palace Theater. What's the show? So when someone sees you, what are they going to see? Well, it's actually a show designed, as you said at the start, it's a show that's designed for these huge things we do in the UK, sort of 15,000 seat arenas. So we've, there's a lot of real state-of-the-art graphics. We have a massive LED screen, about as much as we can fit into the venue, um, and we have simulations of black holes. We fall into black holes and talk about space and time. We look at the origin of the universe, the origin and fate of life in the universe. Um, we have images from the Hubble Space Telescope and images from the surface of Mars. So it's, it's, a, it's a mix of everything that I think is interesting about cosmology, which is the study of the origin and evolution of the universe. Are, are young people getting into physics these days? I know I'm looking at your accomplishments and your honors and awards and schooling. Are young people uh, interested in going into the field of uh, physics? Yeah, I think they really are. And um, cool. what you said about space exploration is, is important because that really captures the imagination. 
and we're in a we're in a golden age now, or entering a golden age, I think. I mean, you know, SpaceX are launching a rocket every week now. We've got the rover on the surface of Mars. We've got a mission going to Jupiter's moon Europa for, to look for life there, because there's a moon, that moon has got more water below its surface than all the oceans of the Earth combined. So it's a possible home for life. So I think those things are the things that capture the imagination. And also, I think you know, black holes, which I'm really interested in, are so the most bizarre objects. I mean, just to give you one example, the, the black holes are can be described as the end of time in space. So inside a black hole, what we see is not just like some point in the middle. It's the it's a moment in time, and it's the end of time. And the moment you say that to a ten-year-old or twelve-year-old, they just say, "That's cool. I want to know about those things." So I think those things that capture the imagination. Well, Brian, you've been, you've done yeah. so much, so accomplished. If people want to, you were on Joe Rogan, and are you on social media? Can people follow you on social media? Yeah, on Twitter, I'm uh, Prof Brian Cox. Prof awesome. Brian, to, just to distinguish me from the other Brian Cox, the actor. The actor, yeah, yeah. yeah. People get confused. I want to, you know, we went out, we went out to dinner together together once, and um, in London, and uh, we deliberately turned up at the restaurant just about ten minutes apart. So he walked in and said, you have a table for Brian Cox? And they took it to the table. And then I walked in and said, you have a table for Brian Cox? And they panicked. And we booked it together just for fun. So, yeah. Anyway, oh, that's great. Be- before Elon put all his uh, SpaceX and everything, they, did, did he or anyone approach you for some advice? <laughs> no, I don't think Elon needs any advice. I've met him. I met him once. And, uh, I also met Jeff Bezos, actually, and, okay. and talked about their vision. The thing to say is they're both real enthusiasts, so it's real. You know, they, they really do believe that building these rockets is going to lead to a better world, and I think, that's, um, I think that gets lost a lot of the time. Um, I mean, Jeff Bezos is a collector of yeah. um, you know, space memorabilia. It's incredible. He's got almost everything, every spacecraft you can remember in the movies, the Nostromo from Alien or the original sort of Enterprise models from star trek he's got he bought them all so he's just a, he's just a geek basically <laughs> yeah, a geek with trillion dollars yes. yeah. yes well brian we appreciate it kappa.com order tickets saturday night palace theater thanks so much man we'll have to do it again I appreciate it sir thank you very much we'll talk about it in lizzie next time all right <laughs> <laughs>